You're listening to The Breakfast Show. You didn't say and. Usually you say and at the start. I wanted Whatever. to copy you. You usually go, and you're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. Good morning. Welcome. Let's have another clue for the quiz as we get into our second hour. Who was the disciple that took the opportunity to walk on water with Jesus? Which is an opportunity that I would definitely want to take. It sounds really cool. I've often wondered about whether it's easy to walk on water, particularly during a storm. I've never walked on something that is so moving up and down. Yeah. Oh, the well, water's going up and down. Does, do, you, do you sort of have to like you know balance yourself and catch your balance or... Yeah. How does it work? Well, I guess like if you've walked down like a hill with sand on it, but then it's just it's just not the same. I'm like I'm like how could you simulate that? Could you like oh wait wait no have you ever like have you ever like stood on something that kind of float there are like those mats? Well, I kind of think of it maybe similar to running on a trampoline. Yeah, but but, but that's more the tram the trampoline has like even kind of tension, and when you yes. stand on it, you fall through. But it's not moving in and of itself. No, but it still moves when you stand on it. Yeah, that's right. Anybody, anybody experience? What, what yeah, would be what's good, it like to walk on water? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What would be an equivalent <laughs> to walking on water with waves? Yeah, no, well, I think like if you get like a thin mat that's like held up by people that's going on the water, I feel like you could have that experience. Maybe if you had a mat, maybe if you had one of those like trampolines that they use for catching people when they jump out of buildings, right? Yeah. Get a big one like that held by people Uh and they're bouncing it up and down and Uh you've got to walk across it. Uh Maybe that would be something similar. I kind of want to land on a big mat out of a building now. Sounds really yes. fun. Anyways, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer. You know, who was the disciple who took the opportunity to walk on water? And if you do get the answer correctly, you will go into the draw to win these two books, A, Fa- A Thousand Shall Fall and No Harl Hitler, the incredible stories of two people who stood for their faith during World War Two under the Nazi regime. Yes, and they, I've read both of these books. How good are they? They are both absolutely outstanding. I've read A Thousand Shall Fall, the story mm-hmm. of Franz Hassel, and it's just incredible. Yes, and the other one was uh, Peter Chesler, right? That's right. Yes. Correct. Yeah, and so uh, Peter Chesler, of course, uh, he and his family moved to Australia and the Hassel family moved to the United States after mm-hmm. the Second World War. So we've got two stories from... Yep. One from a German background, one from a Polish background, uh-huh. one who was drafted, one who was occupied, uh-huh. and incredible stories, just mm. amazing stories of faith. Amazing. 0491 Get you Get your answer in and go into the draw to win. All right, let's run through some text messages and see what you had to say in the first half of the show. Uh, this one says, stress is a blessing if it takes you closer to God. My stress pill. Yeah. I, I guess so. Anything. That I was having a stressful. Shell and I were having a stressful moment last night. Uh-huh. We were trying to fix my car, uh-huh. and it wasn't happening. Uh-huh. And Shell was giving me a hand, which was absolutely amazing because That's so it was good. freezing cold. Uh-huh. And she came outside when she was, you know, in by the the, the the nice warm gas heater doing a folding and all that kind of thing. And she came outside with freezing cold to give me a hand, which was fantastic. But then we couldn't get it to work and we couldn't get it to work and it just was impossible to work and there was no way it was going to work. And we prayed about it and suddenly it worked. That's awesome. Yes. So stress is good if it draws you closer to God. Amen. 
All right, Copacabana Beach Outreach with God Everything is Possible. Let's expect great things from him for he is coming soon. And mm. we pray that there are a lot of people in Copacabana Beach and Rio de Janeiro and Brazil in particular that are now more ready for Jesus Christ than what they were, are, are actually ready for Jesus Christ. India and insulting Muhammad. How I wish Christians would stand up for Christ. Most Christians are so used to hearing his name being blasphemed and say nothing as if it was quite acceptable to blaspheme his name. How would you like to go to court and just before entering court you insult the judge? Good luck to you. Isn't It isn't funny. No other religious leaders or gods are ever blasphemed as Jesus is. Only Satan could do that. That's very, very interesting. You go anywhere in society today, you will not find... You would not be able to go through a day in secular society without hearing Jesus' name blasphemed. Mm-hmm. That would be an impossibility. Mm-hmm. Why is Jesus picked on so much? Uh, you know, rarely will you hear Muhammad being insulted. Rarely will you hear Buddha being insulted. You ask a secular person what they think of Jesus, they can't give you anything bad about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's like maybe from their perspective, it's that the followers of, well, Muhammad particularly take. Okay, a so lot I can understand. I can understand with not offending Muhammad. What about Buddha? Why aren't people? Why aren't people insulting Buddha? Um, because he's irrelevant. I don't know. I, I I'm I'm sounding like a Buddha hater here this morning, but I'm just like because people who follow Buddha know that he was just a a big dude who said some partially smart things that they want to live by. Okay, but a secular person would say that Jesus said smart things that are good to live by as well. Yeah, sure. And so if you look at Jesus and Muhammad and Buddha in the same perspective as, you know, being uninspired, just good people. But this is the thing, Jesus... Why pick on Jesus? Jesus paints more of a target on his back because he does claim to be the son of God. Yes. And also, like, we, we... And he backs it up. And he backs it up, yeah, definitely. Versus like Muhammad, who, like, I'll be, I'll be honest, like to me, gives less compelling evidence to his, you know, prophetship, but then simultaneously has followers who are willing to, yeah, take some drastic steps in in response to people blaspheming. His yeah, name. I'm so thankful that the Islamic clerics in India have actually stood up and said, "No, we need to stop protesting." That's actually this. that's amazing. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. It's a really good thing to see happening, and we need to see more of that happening. I think one of the problems with Islam is that they have missed opportunities to build connections with the community where they could have done. Yeah, sure. And so, for instance, you get a shooting in the mosque in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And you have Christians who will turn up at the local mosque and stand around it in solidarity just to, you know, to protect the mosque. And it's, it's purely symbolic. Mm. Wouldn't it be great if Muslims did the same thing next time there's a shooting in a church somewhere? The more the Muslims turn up and we are here to protect you as you worship. Mm. You know, it would make a massive, massive impact on the community and would be fantastic for changing the way that the world views Islam. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that's a, that's a really good point. Changing the way that the worldview is views Islam because for a long time the world viewed Christianity the same way. That's right. That was called the Dark Ages. Uh-huh. And that was where the blaspheme of God came at the cost of your life. Yes. Uh, but things have changed. Absolutely. Unfortunately, the negative side effect of that is that people just see God and Jesus as a pushover and then they can just say whatever they want. But I, I'm happy that there is more of an open air 
you know, less of a persecutory air around Christianity in terms of being persecutors. Anyways. All right, so here's an interesting text message. If people did a 40-day fast, and I mean a fast before doing anything, ask yourself, would Jesus do that or what would Jesus do? Uh, you will have a guarantee that by the 40th day you will be a new person. Our problem is a lack of willpower, but with God all is possible. Give it a go. God will bless you and give you strength. So this is an interesting one. It's not a fast from food, but it's a fast in which before you do anything, you ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? Oh, I, I thought this was suggesting we should fast from food for 40 days, which, Lyle, I'm happy to do. Do you want to do it with me? No. <laughs> I won't make it past the first day. <laughs> I have very fast metabolism. Fasting does not work for me at all. Mm-hmm. All right. Then we've got a couple of here. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Vincent has come through. You want to know what it's like to walk on water? Try walking on a waterbed. Sure. that would give you a bit of an idea. Okay. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Well, well put right there. Uh, in regards to the interview, God is so amazing in his love and care for us. We are without excuse when we reject the knowledge he has given mm. us. Satan, on the other hand, knows exactly how to tempt us and to make us fall. That was from yeah. Braden. Gnarly. And then we've got uh, Margie says, God is so good, he answers our prayers almost immediately, so often. Mm. Ah, praise God. Go mm-hmm. Margie. Mm. All right, let's get into our Bible study. We are up to Genesis chapter 40. We're going to read all about it today. You're going to hear it here on The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. Let's start reading a few verses for us there, please, Lawson. Okay, Genesis 40 and verse 1, the Bible says, Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where the where Joseph was. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let's think about what's going to happen when these officials end up in prison. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. So here you've got the story of Joseph, and of course, Joseph has become the overseer of the prison. He is an inmate. He's a prisoner, yeah. Yes, and he has been placed in charge of the prison. This is something that you did see from time to time in POW camps, Mm. where the person who was in charge of the POW camp would work through the officers that were prisoners. Mm-hmm to keep a level of control over what was taking place in the POW camp. Mm. And so rather than just going out and policing every single individual, they would have regular meetings with the officers and they would expect the officers to keep the enlisted men in control. Mm. And it's kind of like this in ancient Egypt. You have the guy who's in charge of the prison. This would not have been a large prison. The Egyptians did not have large prisons like we have today. But you've got the officer who is in charge of it. He's got a whole bunch of inmates, and rather than dealing with each inmate on an individual level, he has recognised that Joseph is the master CEO. Joseph can do so much better job than what he can, and so he's going to leave the affairs of the prison, the interior of the prison, in Joseph's hands, who is an inmate, Mm. because it's going to run so much smoother and more easily if he does so. Mm. And we have the situation where the butler and the baker... They have both turned up in the prison together. There has been a conspiracy. We do not know what the conspiracy is. At this point, 
Pharaoh doesn't even know what the conspiracy is. But what Pharaoh does know is that there has been a conspiracy and he needs to get to the bottom of it and his life is no is, is most likely at stake. And so he's putting these guys in custody until he can find out which one is the perpetrator of the plot. Mm. What you've got to remember about these ancient emperors and pharaohs and kings and rulers is that they lived in a time in which, well, if you wanted a change of government, you only had to change one person. Yeah, that's right. And so there was... Never a time, never a day when they would wake up and their life was not under threat from mm. somewhere, from someone. Mm. The only thing that kept these kings and emperors alive was the level of paranoia that they could maintain on a daily basis. Mm. And you wonder why some of them went insane. It's not hard to figure out why some of them went insane. Yeah. You're dealing with that level of paranoia by necessity. Yeah, because if you don't, then you're You're gone. dead. You're gone. It's over. People will take advantage of that. That's right. Mm. In a you know, democracy like we have today, it's not quite the same because, you know, if you get rid of one person from the government, somebody else is going to step in and continue doing the same thing because there's a party running the place rather than just an individual. Mm-hmm. All right, so we need to... Um, we need to look and see what happens when these guys turn up in the prison. Let's get reading there. All right. We continue on in verse 5. The Bible says, While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meeting. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they, were bo- that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried, he asked. And they replied, We both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Okay, so Joseph has had a couple of prophetic dreams already. Mm-hmm. He knows the difference between the wild imaginings of the human brain uh-huh. and a dream that comes from God. Yes. Both of these guys have had a dream on the same night. They are both super stressed over it. Their dreams are almost identical to each other. That doesn't happen by random. Mm-hmm. And so Joseph's like, okay, this is, these are dreams that come from God. God is the only one who can answer this. Mm. You guys don't serve God. You guys serve 3,500 gods that are not God. So you, there's no way that you can actually get an accurate answer to what you dreamed and mm. the message that God is trying to give you. There is only one God. His name is Yahweh. Let me ask him. Mm. It's not the last time that this will happen in the Bible. Let's keep going. It continues on in verse 9. It says, So the cupbearer told Joseph his dream. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Okay. So you've got grapes. He's doing his job. Yep. That's what he does. He's doing his job. Uh, And then uh, Joseph interprets and he says, This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I did did nothing to deserve it. So Joseph here gives himself a bit of a leg up. As you would. Yeah, he's like... An opportunity presents itself, grab it with both hands. He's like, hey, I'm going to... I told you this thing that's going to happen if it happens. Yeah, remember me. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
Now, this is a very important official too. The cupbearer was often somebody who, in some of these ancient empires, particularly in places like Babylon or Persia, is basically a prime minister. Mm. He's one of the Assyria, most Assyria as well, trusted the, the, the Rabshakeh. Mm. The Rabshakeh was the cupbearer. Mm. And you can read about the Rabshakeh in the story of Sennacherib when he invades Judah and he is the one who is in charge of the bulk of the mm. Assyrian army. He's the one who's in charge of going to Hezekiah at Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, some people call him Rabshakeh. No, Rabshakeh is a title. It means cupbearer. Mm. So you've got the cupbearer who's a very, very important position. Okay, so he's going to be restored in three days, and Joseph's like, remember me? Yep. Okay. Then it continues on in verse 16, and when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said, Joseph. So he's like, wow, this guy's going to be restored. I had a dream that was super similar. Hey, Joseph, check this out. And then it says, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the head of the basket. Uh-oh. He's, yeah. The baked goods are being eaten by the birds. This is a little bit different from yeah, that's the dream. Right. But there are similarities between the two. They're both doing their job. They're both doing their job. They're before Pharaoh. There's both. There's three, three, three things. Three things in both. Yeah. But one serves Pharaoh and the other serves the birds. Yes. That's the key crucial difference. It is. And then we come to the interpretation. The butler may have done well to have noted the difference between these before he got excited. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is what the dreams mean, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Now Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Well, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) One of the worst things would be knowing the date of your death, I think. Oh, that's that classic question. Would you rather know when you die or how you die? I'm so glad that we know neither <laughs> because I don't think knowing either of those is going to be a benefit to us. It's certainly not going to be a benefit to the the, the baker because at he this knows particular both. Point, if, he, if you know, at this particular point, he'd be praying to every god that there was in Egypt because the Hebrew god is just prophesied a bad thing. Yeah, he's and he dead. would be really hanging out to find an Egyptian god that was more powerful than the Hebrew god. Mm, mm, mm. But there are no Egyptian gods. There are just things that... Rocks and skies and suns and stars. Yeah. They're just things. Whereas Joseph serves someone who is is the actual god. Mm. And so it's not going to go so well for the chief baker. Mm. Yeah, he knows when he's going to die and he knows how he's going to die and unfortunately it's not going to be in his sleep. Well, we see this play out a couple days later in verse 20. It says, Pharaoh's birthday came up and he prepared the banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned the chief cupbearer and the chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again bear Pharaoh's cup. But the pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interrupted his dream. When he interpreted, sorry, his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Yeah, that's pretty sad, isn't it? You know, somebody does a great favor for you like that and you just 
Don't even remember them. That's tough. It's it's tough, all right. I mean, hey, he's in a high official. He's got a lot of responsibility. He's got a lot of pressure on him. You can kind of see how that would, <laughs> you know, maybe keep him rather distracted from. Maybe in the face of seeing his colleague die, he. Yeah, but even still, <laughs> a dramatic interpretation like that, you'd think you'd remember it. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We've got uh, somebody calling through from overseas this morning. No, we've got the question for the quiz first. Yes, yes. Where did David slay Goliath? Another story about war there. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you go into the draw to win No Hal Hitler and A Thousand Shall Fall. Amazing stories of people standing up for their faith in Nazi Germany. So I've got a bit of a theme happening here with our free giveaways. Two books. Uh-huh. About the Second World War uh-huh. and God's amazing grace in the Second World War. Mm, that's yeah, right. Fantastic stuff. Well, have we got our caller on the phone yet? We don't have our caller on the phone yet. Okay, this is one of the challenges we have in the international calls from time to time. They are a little bit harder to get through, but we are glad to hear that there are people listening overseas. All over the to world. The faith, to all over the world to the breakfast show here on Faith FM. And, of course, you can do that if you have the Faith FM app. If you have the app, you can listen anywhere in the world, anywhere you've got a mobile service or an internet connection, you can do that. And so we encourage everybody to get the app, particularly some people talk to me from time to time and they say, you know, the signal is not so strong in my area. Uh, I would like to, you know, when I'm driving around in the car, it doesn't work so well. It's like the problem is easily solved. Just get the app, run it through your Bluetooth, you're in fine shape. And maybe you hate apps. Maybe maybe you're on your computer and you're like, I don't know how to work apps on my computer. You just can just go, go to the website. Go to the website, faithofhim.com.au and click the play button in the top corner. Problem solved. Okay, so we've got somebody calling through, I believe, from Thailand. Who have we got there on the phone? <laughs> Is that Blake? Is that Blake <laughs> Penland? Is that Blake Penland from Speak Life who we have on the phone this morning? I can recognise that laugh from a million miles away. I am... Okay, so Blake, this is this is Blake calling in from Thailand. He's currently I, my, on, my, huh? currently on sabbatical in Thailand, and I understand you were going mm. to make a, a comment about Islam. We we're talking about Islam a little bit earlier on. Yeah, I just want to say you guys said that no one ever gets mad at Muhammad. Well, I am mad right now. Okay, <laughs> this guy, uh, this guy has ruined my sleep. Every day that I've gotten here, these guys in here in Thailand, my my accommodation is across the street from a mosque, and these dudes are blasting prayers at four forty five in the morning. It's it's five in the morning right now, and I am wide awake. And so what I was doing is like I'm I'm fast asleep, right? Just yes. enjoying dreams like Joseph. Yes, and yes. then enjoying your day. Yeah, I'm enjoying my jet lag. I'm I'm over here dreaming it up like Joseph and enjoying the night. And then rudely awakened by a follower of Muhammad. And I go up and I go outside of the balcony and I am audibly blasted in the face with some crazy prayers. And then I'm like, you know what? I, if, if they're going to force me to pray, I'm going to listen to some people who pray to the God that I serve. And so I turn on Faith FM, and I've been listening live from Thailand. Uh, and I just want to let you know, I really want that book, A Thousand Shall Fall. <laughs> no, you, you can't enter. We're excluding you. I'm sorry. 
Uh, you can buy the book. I, I mean, we can send you a link, but sorry, Blake, but you are excluded. I'm excluded. Blake, this makes me happy from so many different perspectives. <laughs> Maybe you the should first, pray in the competition. First thing, the first, thing, like, the first thing that sick. makes me happy about this is that you're getting woken up at stupid o'clock in the morning yeah. while you're on sabbatical in Thailand. <laughs> That's so funny, bro. That's just, so funny. It just oh. makes me happy. The second thing that makes me happy, well, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Blake. Why should we let... Islam be more diligent about their prayers than what we are. Yes, amen. So if they're praying at that hour of the morning, no, that's a good point. Then why would you know they're praying five times a day? As Christians, how often do we pray? Mm. You know, and this is formal prayer. I'm talking about not the conversation you have with God while you're driving down the street or doing your work. Oh, great, I'm talking about so, stopping for yeah. formal prayer. How often do we do that? There's a lesson here we can learn from these guys. So what you're telling me is you want me to hire a huge sound system. Yes, that's exactly what we're saying. Let them, let the mosque hear me praying yep. five times a day. Yes, you've got to, <laughs> that's got right. Problem, problem I, dude, even just a Bluetooth speaker, just full ball blaring from Black. the rooftop of your accommodation. That's that's what I want. Now this kind of sounds spiteful, but or you know maybe it, some it, kind it's of competition. very much like I can just see like an a bald eagle landing on my shoulder uh, as I declare freedom for all while praying through the Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> okay, so I've got, um, another, I've got another recommendation for you here, Blake. I've got another recommendation because I've been to the mosque and I've heard these prayers. And in Islam, they do pray a little bit different from us because they do tend to be more repetitive than, say, an evangelical Christian, More a little bit more like, say, the prayer book, you know, that you might have in the Church of England or yeah. something like that. But or, my, or it's very Catholic too. Yeah, well, here's my, here's my other recommendation is to actually find somebody who can interpret those prayers for you into English. And what you'll find is you, your Islamic prayers are very different from a Christian prayer in that in a Christian prayer, we actually do a lot more asking than they do. They do a lot more mm. praise and a lot less asking. We do a lot more asking and a lot less praise. So I think there's a couple of things that we can learn here, a couple of lessons we can learn. Number one is these guys are really serious about getting up early and, and, and having prayer at the beginning of the day. The second is that they're really serious about praying at regular times during the day so they don't actually get busy and forget to spend that time with God. And the Ooh. third thing is they do a lot more praise and a lot less asking, and I think there's some really positive things there. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that in my prayer. I'm going to praise the Lord a lot more, but I'm going to start asking them to keep it down. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Okay, good Lawson, luck. We need to figure out where Blake good is. Luck. We need to contact the local mosque, and we're going to tell them, Go guys, just, just crank it up a little bit because Blake listen, is living next oh, door. No. Listen, I'm really trying to praise the Lord right here. Please turn it up. <laughs> That's actually that actually be so funny as a foreigner in Thailand just going up to them and being like, "Listen, guys, I'm trying to sleep." Like I wonder how come I'm, on, take to I'm on vacation here. Trying to get some rest. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, sitting on the, the Bible. beach. I've seen the photos, Blake. I have like zero sympathy for you, right? Yeah, that's now. right. <laughs> I've seen the food. We've we've seen the sunsets. Uh, we're gonna get back to our Bible study here, Blake. But it's fantastic to hear from you, and we look forward to when your sabbatical is over and Speak Life kicks back in. Uh, we pray that you have a fantastic time over there, and that these regular times for prayer will just be a blessing for you. We're gonna get back to our Bible study, Lawson. Where were we up to in what we were reading? Where we were up to, mate? We're up to chapter forty-one. We we just smashed out chapter forty, just like that. Yeah. Well, basically, they didn't give him a thought. Joseph. That's that's chapter forty. In a, that's chapter forty in a nutshell. That's right. Two of Pharaoh's officials are blessed by Joseph, 
They don't give them a thought. <laughs> well, they're... <laughs> I don't know if they're blessed. One is blessed, the other's cursed? Yes. Yep. Well, not... Yeah, well... well yeah, no, it would be a curse to know when and how you were going to die, particularly when you're going to die that way. I've got a couple of... Uh, we've got another text message here. Let me see. see uh, mm. ooh, let me see. It says, I'm sure that it was God that allows the cupbearer to forget Joseph till the time was ready for Pharaoh to receive his dreams. All is in God's timing. Yes, Raphael, jumping ahead of the story just slightly there, but nonetheless, yeah. That's how it goes down. That's right. Okay, where are we up to? Well, chapter 41 and verse 1. Chapter 41 and verse 1, let's The Bible it. says, Two full years later, Oof. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. Okay, so Joseph's been in prison for a long time. <laughs> yeah. This is not like the prisons we have in, here in Australia. Mm-hmm. The prisons here in Australia are not fun and they are mm. not nice. But try being in a prison 4,000 years ago. Mm. Try being in a prison where you do not have such a thing as human rights. Yeah, well. This is not, this is not a good time for Joseph. This is not a fun time for Joseph. This is a bad time. Mm. He's, he's, he's copying it and he's like, well, I had that one chance to get the ear of Pharaoh and it's gone. Oof. He's lost it. You'd be, be discouraged. Sad. You would. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Awesome. Why don't you give us another... No, why don't you give us some answers? Yep, answers for the quiz. The answer for question one was a lamp slash candle. Question two, it was a millstone. That was the heavy thing that you that they're going to get tied around their neck. Uh, number three, it was Zacchaeus. Number four was Peter. And finally, number five, where did David slay Goliath? The Valley of Elah. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, the question of the day today is, what is the significance of the olive plants in Psalms 128 and verse 3? Bible says in Psalms 128, Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord that walks in his ways. For you shall eat the labor of your, of your hands. Happy shall you be, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of your house. Your children, like olive plants, round about your table. So the Bible uses symbolism here that it uses throughout the Bible in that wood and trees are a symbol of people. For example, if you go to uh, Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, And he, the person, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And throughout the Bible, you're going to find that Judges chapter 5 is another great example of this, trees symbolizing people. Well, the Bible says here that the person who fears the Lord will have children that are like olive trees. Why pick on this particular tree right here? There is so much that we can learn from the olive tree, and I don't have time to cover it in the three minutes I've got left. But let's run through it very quickly. The olive tree provides an enormous amount of different things. It provides food, oil, and medicine to begin with. Mm. That comes from its, uh, from its branches, from its, from its, its fruit, and from its leaves. Of course, from its stem and from its branches and its trunk, it produces furniture as well, and olive wood is really spectacular. From a cabinet maker's perspective, it is beautiful wood to work with, uh, really nice grain you have in an olive tree. 
But that's not all. You get oil from it, and that oil is used in anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is symbolized by olive oil. It was used in the anointing of kings. It was used in the anointing of the sick. It was used in the anointing of people who were ordained to gospel ministry uh, and so forth. It was used in the sacrifices of the temple, services. It was used as a symbol of peace and reconciliation. We find this in the story of Noah when the olive leaf is brought back. Now what's interesting is that, let's think about Jesus for a moment, because where was it that Jesus was crushed under the weight of our sin? Um, On the cross. Before oh, that, at Gethsemane, yeah, for sure. Yes, and what was Gethsemane? A garden. And what grew in that garden? It's called the Mount of Olives. It's an olive orchard. Mm-hmm. So Jesus was crushed. How many times did he ask the disciples to pray for him? Three times. When they were making olives, olive oil in ancient times, what they would do is they would put the olives in an olive press. Mm. And the, they would, you know, put all the olives in the press, and they would put a massive amount of weight on it, using a lever to put a huge amount of pressure onto those olives to crush those olives, so that the oil could come running out. Mm. And then, when the oil stopped running out, guess what they would do? Add more weight. Mm. And when the oil stopped coming out, guess what they would do? Add more weight. How many times did they crush the olives? They crushed the olives three times. Wow. How many times was Jesus crushed? In the olive orchard? Three times. Mm. Uh, Jesus was crushed there for our sins. Jesus was literally in the olive press in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is why the Bible describes Jesus as a root out of Jesse, an olive tree Coming out of Jesse in the Bible, the olive tree is also a symbol of the nation of Israel that if it did not bear fruit, it would be cut down. And Paul uses that same symbolism to talk about how wild olive trees are grafted in when Gentiles become Christians. And when we think about peace in Israel, well, we wish Blake peace in Thailand right now. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) The Uh, best thing ever. Let's uh, give away something for free. Before we do, a couple of uh, quick text messages that have come through. Uh, This one says, Joseph was 17 when sold into slavery, spent 10 years with Potiphar, one year in prison before the cupbearer and the baker get their dreams, a further two years before he goes before Pharaoh, at the age of 30. Jesus was 30 when he started his ministry. Wow. Really good history right there with... A great parallel. Mm. A total of 13 years in captivity. A long training session. Mm. He probably needed it. Probably needed that time to get ready for what was coming his way. And so as we consider the story of Joseph this morning, we think about the fact that bad things, yeah, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Mm. But do not fear, God has a plan. That's right. There is always a plan. And we can always trust him. All right, Lawson, we've got to give something away. What have you got for us to, what are you going to give away today? Well, speaking of Jesus and mountains and all things good, I'm going to give away a book called Thoughts from the Mounts of Blessing, a exposition, uh, a deep dive into the things that Jesus taught in one of his most amazing, awesome sermons ever, getting into the parables and the different lessons that he was trying to communicate to his followers. If you'd like this book, 0400 
0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. We'll give it to you absolutely for free. All you need to do is be the first caller through. So get those phones ready, 0491-064-669. Okay, and as we like to remind you at the end of this day, spend some time with Jesus every day. The earlier the better. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith and act faith and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.